Good morning, everybody. Um, if you can hear us, you know, please let us know in the, the comments if uh, this is working for you. Let us know in the chats. So, um, good morning. Good morning, Elise. Uh, <laughs> so glad you could make it. Uh, yeah. Well, um, we're gonna we're gonna jump right into our opening thing, and then we'll we'll get on with the show. So, uh, let's see. Right. Um, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about the network. Um, this is Guy Etchison's Reinventing the Tattoo Network, uh, where tattooers, apprentices, collectors, and the curious are all encouraged to join in these live stream and real-world events. Uh, we beam out uh, nearly every single day, and with your help, we've evolved into a quality network of amazing live and on-demand art shows. Um, our goal is to uh, inspire and ultimately create better art and tattoos together. Um, you can find us uh, either in the Apple App Store, the Google Play Store. We also have a podcast available at, on Spotify uh, wherever you, and wherever else you get your uh, podcasts from. Uh, we also have a Roku channel and a Facebook page. So um, those are all places you can find us. But, of course, the latest and greatest is always going to be available on uh, reinventingthetattoo.com. So let me see if I can share my screen with you. I think I can. <laughs> Thomas the Train. See? <laughs> Let's see. There it is. Reinventing the tattoo. Um, right. So uh, Reinventing the Tattoo is... Um, uh, Guy Atchison's uh, educational platform, right? Uh, Reinventing the Tattoo was a book, and uh, now it's a website, and you can still find all of the great uh, educational resources here, um, including free resources. There's free courses here, and uh, History of Electric Tattooing with Jay Brown. Um, there's also the community, the Reinventing the Tattoo community. Very cool if you're an apprentice or, uh, you know, if you... You want to get involved uh, with this community and um, just sort of get inspired again. Uh, there's also uh, Derb Morrison's uh, seminar on longevity of the tattoo artist, uh, a, a really important, um, I think, resource for anybody that does tattoos um, because uh, you really want to have a long career and you don't want to get, uh, you know, you don't want to get like obstructed by injuries and stuff. So, um, so this is a really helpful, uh, uh, seminar. I got a lot out of it myself. So, okay. Let's, uh, let's check out the page. Ah, we can see some of the upcoming sh shows that are on, uh, that are on reinventing. Let's see. Down here, we can find the events schedule and, uh, And uh, here, upcoming events, uh, Sundays at 1 p.m. We have Skill Building Sundays hosted by Jason Leeser. Uh, that's followed at 9 a.m. Drawing for Tattooers hosted by James Wisdom. That's me. This is the show. You're on it right now. So, so thanks for coming. Um, it's followed at 11 a.m. Uh, Eastern on Mondays, the Tattoo Weekly. At 5 p.m. Eastern on Mondays, we have Let's Talk About Feelings. Uh, at 9 p.m. Eastern, 
On Mondays, we have the reinventing of the tattoo subscribers exclusive drawing group. Uh, that's followed at 1 p.m. Eastern on Wednesdays with the Tattoo Now show, and then 6 p.m. Eastern uh, on Thursdays, Tattoo Collecting 101 podcast. Um, so uh, check out those shows. If you come down here to this event's uh, schedule, at Reinventing, you can actually find uh, you know ways to um, to zoom in and join in on these join in on these programs just like that. So. Let's take a moment and uh, we'd like to uh, thank our sponsors. Um, uh, let's begin with uh, World Tattoo Events. Um, I have something nice to say about them here. Yeah. WorldTattooEvents.com, largest, most comprehensive resource for tattoo events worldwide. Lots of updates as conventions are rescheduling like crazy. So you can always find out more about uh, upcoming events, upcoming uh, tattoo conventions and stuff at worldtattooevents.com. Tattoo Now. Tattoo Now is technology for tattooers, the leading edge in professional development management and digital tools for tattooers of all levels. Upgrades uh, are competitive with any CRM mailing list software out there. Um, so uh, check out Tattoo Now, ask for Gabe. Uh, and of course, um, We'd like to thank Guy Atchison for being the founder and inspiration behind Reinventing the Tattoo. Uh, you can learn more about Guy Atchison at GuyAtchison.com, um, where you can purchase paintings, prints, tattoo machines, and learn more about Guy himself and his story, his roots as a painter, and journey uh, through the tattoo world. Um, right, uh, And me. Uh, Tattooing Wisdom is my website, and uh, I'm working on it all the time, updating stuff. You can um, you can like schedule an appointment to get tattooed. Uh, I try to blog about the show. I get to work on that. Um, also, I have uh, recently um, developed a uh, a mailing list for drawing for tattooers. Right, so if you want to get reminded about the show. Um, or get uh, access to, to zoom in, you can find that through the website. Let me know um, if you're interested and uh, I'll send you helpful reminders about, uh, about this program. Uh, and then you can also uh, you can also find some my painting website uh, through here too. Anyway, um, yeah, drawing for tattooers registration. Register and, uh, and come check out the show. We'd love to have you. So I think that is uh, that's enough. So <laughs> thanks everybody for thanks everybody for hanging out through that. Um, uh, we had a couple, we had a couple new people joining new us. People hey, joining us. Hey, Amber, hey. Spirit, Spirit. What's up? Somebody is echoing. Somebody is echoing. <laughs> uh oh. Might be me. All right, how's that? Okay, it was you. Yeah, yeah, it was you. But well, as soon as you get, as soon as you get somewhere, you can um, get that figured out. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll have you on. So, good morning, everybody. So great to to see you. Uh, good morning. Monday. Yeah. Uh huh. Awake bright and early. It is. 
and it's also, we were just talking uh, a moment ago, it's Juneteenth. So happy Juneteenth, everybody. Yes, it is. Um, yeah, I was, uh, uh, I wasn't like aware of what Juneteenth was until really just a couple of years ago. Um, and, um, and I, you know, and I think it's, uh, um, it's important, uh, that everybody, everybody knows. Um, let me see here. Yeah, I, um. the Wikipedia uh, right so um, Juneteenth so the Wikipedia article on Juneteenth um, Juneteenth is officially a national federal holiday um, and that was that began in uh, in 2021 so uh, let's see initially right so uh, Juneteenth is a federal holiday commemorating the emancipation uh, of enslaved African Americans, deriving its name from the combination of June and 19th. Um, so, uh, basically, right, early celebrations date back to 1866. Um, but, uh, this is about, uh, this is about the Emancipation Proclamation. It wasn't known until two years after the fact. And so this is like the celebrating the the like this actual end of slavery in the United States. Um, so the holiday is considered the longest running African American holiday, and it's been called America's uh, Second Independence Day. Um, let's see, it's uh, uh, to celebrate, educate, and to agitate. Um, this is. Uh, I like that. Anyway, yeah, so here's the history. On September 22nd, 1862, Abraham Lincoln announced the Emancipation Proclamation would go into effect on January 1st of 1863, um, promising to freedom to all enslaved peoples and uh, the rebellious parts of the southern United States um, and the Confederacy. Uh, Texas was included, but not federally held territories such as uh, Delaware, Maryland, and West Virginia. Enforcement of the proclamation uh, generally relied upon the advancement of Union troops. Texas as the most uh, remote state um, of the former Confederacy had seen an expansion of slavery because of the presence of Union troops uh, uh, was low as the, uh, as the American Civil War ended. Thus, the enforcement of the proclamation had been slow and inconsistent prior to Ranger's order. Although the Emancipation Proclamation declared an end to slavery in the Confederate States, it did not end slavery in the states that remained in the Union for a while. Um, let's see. The 13th Amendment abolished chattel slavery nationwide December 6, 1865. So um, anyway, that's some history of uh, Juneteenth holiday and um, yeah, I was unaware of it for most of my life, and um, so figured I would would just touch on it briefly today. Um, yeah, so thank I know you I haven't. Yeah, I, I hadn't heard about it until a couple of years ago. Too, I I heard about it on like a TV show. You know, there was that show Blackish, and I'm just like, I feel <laughs> like someone didn't let me in the club. I'm like, I didn't hear anything about this. <laughs> 
<laughs> I didn't know it existed because I never I never heard about it in school or anything either. Yeah, I didn't either. It wasn't something that I had. Um, I mean, it's kind of like this, uh, you know, communication takes time, but but there was, uh, you know, this seems like an inordinate amount of time, you know, like, a, like way too long. Um, mm -hmm. So, um, uh, anyway, um, yeah, no, it's, well, it's, it's, it's so important to become aware of stuff, you know what I mean? And like, and we're learning new things all the time. Um, and it's funny how, it's funny how history works. Uh, not to, you know, I mean, I think that there's sometimes there's a lot of criticism about like history as being revisionist, that people will revise history. But um, I think that's, that's what's so interesting about it is like, you know, there isn't like one, right history it's like history is um is always contingent on your point of view yeah which i don't mean as a in a relativistic way you know because there are actual things that have happened but um but there but it, it always depends on who's telling the, the history right like yeah. who's talking about it that's really kind of like um that probably has a big determination on like you know like history is told yeah so um Anyway, yeah, no, it's uh, uh, it's so important to um, to learn new things um, and to I don't know just to to think about like uh, you know to think about um, positive and negative relationships. That's what I want to talk about today. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want to talk about today. That you know, in a, in a you know, in a real sense, like not only like metaphorically the relationship you know of, of dark and light is what brings about um our ability to see anything at all um and so i think you know for me um i'm so interested in visual culture and visual arts um and and that's again so kind of like really uh, adding a lot of preference or, uh, to vision, to how we see things. So the only way we see things is through light, but of course, like absolute light is nothing just like absolute darkness is again, is nothing. Um, we need, you know, we need to have this contrast, this difference in order to be able to perceive things in order to be able to know, um, the appearance. So, um, and I think, you know, uh, so again, kind of taking it towards, you know, the art side of things, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the orientation that I've been sort of taking for, like thinking about these lessons or thinking about the themes of the, the show that we, that we're doing, uh, I, I do take it from the curriculum at reinventing because I think it's, um, I think that for me, when I, you know, when I, when I first started hanging out with reinventing, um, when I first started hanging out, it was a long time ago. I don't think I really understood what I was looking at, but later on, I was able to appreciate the, the kind of the structure. And so what's helped me, I think, um, 
what's been helping me like sort of not only like develop my own art practice even even more is uh um and also like sort of think about how to how to navigate this this sort of space this platform um i've been using the reinventing as a as a as a way to I don't know, just to just to kind of help me sort of uh you know think about what's important right separate these sort of this contrast this positive and negative relationships if you if you like so uh, anyway um what i'm gonna do real quick is i'm gonna share my screen with you and uh i'll just go over this subject fairly quickly let's see yeah Cool. Uh, so I have some some artwork here, and uh, what I wanted to do was just talk about like this uh, this relationship to positive and negative. Um, let's see. We have this figure here. This is like a. It's called an ecrochet. It's like a, you know, it's like a flayed human body. So you can see all the muscles and you can sort of detect the bones and stuff underneath. Um, and so what we have is uh, this negative, this is lighter, right? This light edge of the, the profile, no. right? Against a darker background. So the positive, so this is, this is negative. This is positive. That's just kind of the, that'd be the language, right? To sort of think about it. And so uh, there's a dynamic relationship where, you know, we have it's, you know, turns from positive back here, right to the negative in the background. It's, it's, uh, it's still, it's like, sort of like the most contrast here in the front, right? The highest degree of contrast. So it's brightest, the brightest lights and stuff, the highlights, and the darkest, deepest darks here, like right, right along this. Ella. This and so I think that attracts our eye. I think our that, eye, I think that gives us the most focus. Yes, yes. Okay. How's my echo? Is it terrible? I'm not it's sure. When I, I say, something. When I say okay. something. So you just go ahead and talk. And then... Okay. So my question is, why is it... Uh, hold on. So it's like the light source, the background does not reflect the light source. So the front of the face is well lit. And it would we would assume that light is coming from the right side of the picture, but that is where it's the most dark. Uh, and then on the left side of the head, you would assume, I guess, it's so weird, but it works. This is just looking at the picture. Uh, I would it would make me confused. Um, you know, and I guess what I'm trying to just say is that, like, it's not the way 
the way you see it is not the way you would think it. Because the way I would think it is the, the darkest part of the picture should be light because that's where the light source seems to be or seems to be coming from the right side of the, the head. You know, because it's shining on that side, but it's the darkest. Um, so it, this is just interesting. It's really interesting. Uh, and so it's helping me understand how to put backgrounds together and the necessity of backgrounds and that you can, it almost doesn't matter. Like it, it, uh, I don't know if I'm, if my confusion makes sense. I think it makes perfect sense. Uh, the, I, so I think also um, that, like you're saying, it doesn't matter. It really, um, uh, you really get a lot of freedom, I think, to say visually what it is you want to say. So you can allow the background to be lighter than it is or darker than it is, and if it helps you make the point that you're trying to make, if that makes sense, right? Um, I guess it's, it's sort of like a, a, um, when we're looking, our minds are kind of putting this, all this information, you're getting so much when we're actually looking at something, you know, and, and like we're really looking at it, our minds are like interpreting it on so many levels. And so um, uh, when we're drawing, I feel like we have the artistic license to, you know, to exaggerate a little bit, right? To, to sort of make the point a little bit more clearly if, if we need to. Um, and photography helps with this too, you know, if you're like looking at a photographic reference or something like that, um, you can sort of see this distinction, but you may even want to push it further, right? That might be a part of the, you know, um, the beauty, right? Or the, you know, of making art, right? Artifice, right? You can manipulate just a little bit. I hope that, uh, you know, I hope that, you know, rings, you know, resonates with what you were saying because it that what you were saying makes what you were saying makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Um, yeah, it makes a hundred. Yeah, because yeah, no, I mean, it, it it makes so much sense because uh, it just took me a long time to understand the necessity of the background and. Um, and how important it is. And I just can't, yeah. I mean, this is, yeah. And just a simple fact that like, you could just use it as a tool, you know, use it as a tool to like, you know, to, to describe the form and to push things forward and to move them back. Um, and you know how you could just kind of do what you want to do. Um, yeah, no, I just, I just find that that is really fascinating, um, that you could do that. Okay. Continue. No, thank you for, you know, like, you know, asking about it. I think, you know, that's sometimes talking about it, like, you know, somebody asks a question and it's like, I didn't even think about it that way before, <laughs> you know, 
like like sometimes thinking you know uh thinking through questions is uh you know helps us understand it even better but um hey jason's here morning jason morning good morning, morning jason. everyone i'm just making breakfast don't mind uh, me so so great <laughs> to have you um yeah I also have a another example here. This little a little tattoo. Um, let's check it out. So I'm gonna take down all of the color because I think color can can somewhat like uh, obfuscate the you know the positive negative relationship. Sometimes you know what I mean. It can be it can be even tougher to sort of discern. So. Again, um, what I'm trying to stay, say here is that we have, you know, this darker edge of the body, right, against a lighter background, right? So, you know, the edge, the edge of the body here, this would be the, you know, the positive, right? It's slightly more negative on the background. Again, a sort of dynamic relationship where here it's like, you know, a lighter edge here, negative and positive, right? Um, background gets darker than the actual, you know, that edge of the head. So, um, you know, again, I think uh, paying close attention to like what's darkest, what's lightest, I think can really be an effective way to not only describe like, you know, let's say, forms and figures and stuff it can add a lot of drama right i think that you know there's there's some there's some drama there's some narrative maybe not narrative but certainly like you can tell a story about the light you know what i mean mm -hmm. um, these conventions have been used in art for a long time um and so you know i'm trying to like sort of marry these two things together, uh, you know, drawing and, and also in, in our tattooing that we would do. So, um, anyways, uh, let's see. This is pretty much what I wanted to talk about was to show these examples and to talk about, um, you know, talk about positive and negative relationships, um, which is really tonal value. That's essentially what it is. Um, but, uh, but yeah. Negative uh, relationships, like when I was with my ex. Oh, well, you know, I she, think she was pretty negative. We are, I think we are trying to, you know, sort of think about this. Um, that was supposed to be funny, by the way. It is. No, okay. it's, it's it is like certainly uh, you know uh, there's a metaphor I think that's that's like at work here, right? And um, you know it's I think it's valid, right? To sort of you know sort of talk about this not only as uh, you know as an art term, but you know to I guess to think about it in terms of the you know like you, like you're saying you know it's like it is you know it's great to be able to laugh at the, you know, to turn the tragedy into comedy, right? I guess I, I heard right. that somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. That like um, the definition of comedy is tragedy plus time, right? Like, <laughs> 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 um, 
but maybe that you know like if it's if it's not funny yet it's just it has it's too soon yeah. right <laughs> too soon right <laughs> i think you i think you touched on an important topic there about um what back when you were talking about backgrounds how everything's in a relationship with everything else right you know, your foreground is nothing without your background. Your brights aren't anything without your darks and how there's that balance between, you know, your positive, your background and your foreground. And so everything is related in a way, you know, I think that is important. And it's also that if you change the background, like if you change the background on the, the Ecorche piece, to like be completely lighter in the back, that completely changes the mood of the piece. Absolutely. Uh, no, I, I agree. Let's see. Um, That's a really good point. Hmm. I know there's like an invert function. Uh, Go to probably like curve. It's on the layer, tap on the layer. Got it. Yes, you're right. You're so right. Yep, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Yeah, it does. But yeah, completely it does changes it. Change it. The, you know, the sort of the mood of it. The, um, you know, the way that we, the way we interact with it. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's so interesting. Well. Yeah, I um. Thanks for uh, thanks for listening to that gang. I just wanted to you know like I wanted to touch on some art stuff. You know, have have a little bit of uh, you know um, exploration some of these concepts. But now is uh, now is the point in the show where I think we can open up the the floor and let you all kind of teach me a thing or two. That's what I <laughs> that's really why I do choke on your coffee. You know? It's really why I do this is to, you know, like, cause I, I get so much out of it. I learn more, you know, by. So by I, the, I just, I learned something the other day. Don't know if it'll be useful to anyone here, but pink fiberglass insulation does not taste like cotton candy. Oh no. <laughs> For anyone I, out there that didn't know that, it does not taste like cotton candy. I'm I'm afraid to ask how you've discerned uh <laughs> how you've discerned Sometimes that. Sometimes it's better to not ask. <laughs> now I'm just being a goof. I'm just being a goof. Sorry about that. Um you know, I James, you said something earlier and I, I am still like paying attention. I just I'm trying to do coffee and cereal and all that all at the same time. So bear with me. Um, you touched on something earlier when you were talking about narrative and storytelling and how, um, certain things, you know, will kind of hint at or portray emotions, um, and tell a story. And I, I have to say, I disagree with you where, when you mentioned earlier that light doesn't necessarily have or create a narrative, I think it definitely can. Um, it, it can definitely create drama and it can definitely create a mood. Um, imagine with that, um, that picture that you had up, 
imagine having a really bright spotlight right coming down from the upper right corner right onto the face right onto where the very brightest areas are right and then picture like a stage or an audience you know very vaguely painted into the background okay just as an idea right that bright spotlight immediately gives you the idea that oh maybe this person's on a stage right at least that's where my mind and my imagination would take me so now that i'm thinking oh okay there's this really bright concentrated spotlight on them now i want to know what's going on in the scene now i want to know why is the light coming from that direction you know because it's very bright and it's very obvious that there's a spotlight coming down but where is that leading to? Where is that coming from? Why is this thing under the spotlight? You know, and it's by asking those questions, I think that's where the concept of narrative comes in. Right? Because it makes you create the story. It makes you ask questions about a piece and it makes you more involved in the actual piece itself. I I really think that's it, that's such a such a great point. Um, so uh, this is something that I'm 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 like fascinated by this topic and this concept. Um, the only way that, or the only thing that I would sort of you know uh, just add distinction is just in this in this idea that like narrative is language, right? It's 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 like stories you know or written stuff but um but images images are about space in some way right so it's this there's this just a slight distinction about it like you know when like you were saying when we when we look at an image we'll add language to it that's like what you know in your head like you'll talk about like oh you know you'll think about these words, stage, you'll have to, you'll name, you'll identify things. When we read words, we produce images. <laughs> you know? When we hear words, when we read them, there's this really interesting, I think, like interconnection between, you know, um, our imagination. How does the imagination sort of um, work? And it's kind of, and maybe this is this, maybe this is this, the same thing, this contrast, this positive negative thing, like we need, you know, like without language, would we able be able to really think thoughts? I, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, I, it would certainly we, you know, animals have instincts and, you know, people certainly do, you know, um, but we also have a, an unconscious, right? We also have we're sort of subjects, beings of language. And so, when we look at things, we're able to understand them on a symbolic level, um, and we're also able to understand it. So, I guess I, you know, I, I love what you're saying, and it makes total sense that we're gonna take any image and we're gonna think about what it means, but how does it mean it is probably the. Um, uh, that's that's the relationship that happens between like your the way you use language and then the way that you the way that like 
and images sort of constructed. So I, you know, so I think it's, it's not really disagreeing with you. It's, it's, it's agreeing, it's agreeing with what you're saying. If that makes, I hope that made sense. I don't it, know. It, it does. It does. And I, I did want to apologize because, you know, I was making an assumption about definition of narrative and definition of language. And, no, no, you know, without no clearly defining all. that. You're, you're right about it. It's, it's, um, I, that that's the only distinction that I've made. And, and this isn't like, um, I think this is something that like, uh, Guy Atchison was talking about one time. He, you know, he was talking about how like, there doesn't have to be, you know, like some narrative. I may have, I maybe even mentioned it or something like that in his presence. And he was, you know, he was saying, it doesn't have to have a narrative. It's an image, you know, uh, Talking about abstract. Always put narratives on things. That's interesting. It doesn't have to have a narrative. <laughs> That's we will do it, right? But it's but it's interesting that you know the difference between like an you know an image and language. There, you know, we we can use visual language, and like language can produce imagery. But it's but they are there is a there is a difference. Well, I think there's also like a cultural context. Um, about how you would interpret an image. Just to, just, this is a, as an example to bring up like the écorché again, like depending on what your culture or what your family or what, like where you came from, depending on what uh, the, the language used in the household and the, the values that you had, like they could say that, I mean, there's two different thoughts where it's like, oh, the, the darkness in the photo could mean like evil or whatever, or the darkness could mean vulnerability. Cause like what happens in the shadows is that you keep your secrets there, but um, depending on like culture, religion, region uh, and family dynamics and just where you've come from, it can change your perception about uh, different types of symbolism. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> bravo. Bravo. Agreed totally. Very, very, very well stated. I, I would like to come back and say, um, just playing devil's advocate here, um, if we're looking at imagery strictly as imagery, I would agree with that. If we're looking at imagery as something more, once again, I, I guess it really good, does kind of depend on your individual perspective and opinion. Um, I don't, maybe I just read too much into things. No, I don't think you do. I mean, I mean, what's a real, a real life example is that I have some friends who are into like Santa Muerte, uh, you know, the, uh, the, I think it's from Mexico. Yeah. The, the skeleton uh, uh -huh. type of deity and they find this this beautiful like uh, mm -hmm. deity, whereas like my mom comes from uh, a cult like a very like straight laced American culture, where it's just like it's a skeleton. That's a dead person. That's scary for me because <laughs> you know dying is scary. Like so, there depending on your the way that you're brought up and the mm -hmm. viewpoint of like death is a good thing or not a good thing but death is like a natural thing that you shouldn't necessarily be afraid of because it's Burn a over. part of life whereas different cultures are like death is bad and scary <laughs> you know 
well, I was. Thank you. I, I was talking more in terms of like narrative and pictures telling a story, right? They don't have to, but historically we've got a lot of precedent when it comes down to pictures telling a story. So that's kind of where I was, I was coming from with that kind of a, a statement. Um, totally. I think I, in, no, I think about like, yeah. uh, you know, uh, the history of church painting. Right, like mm, yeah. paintings that would depict Bible stories and stuff like that. Egyptian before cave people, painting. Yeah, all of it. Totally. Yeah, in a time mm. before people could really read, you know what I mean. Mm. But people could talk, right? There, you know what I mean. So we had language, we had the word, but you know, as far as like, as far as being able to transmit that on a, you know, through the technology of of writing and stuff. Um, picture thinking I think is inherent to the way we think about stuff and you can't you can't like you just have to reconcile with it being this thing that like you know uh, it's imaginative <laughs> it always is it's not the real thing you know what I mean like it's mm -hmm. just like there's it never is but uh, that's what's you know that's what the word artifice kind of gets at. And we talk about, you know, uh, the, the skillful manipulation of vision for the pleasurable consumption of the audience, right? But again, this is a, you know, images are deceptions because they claim to be something that they are not. Mm. This Preach. is Yeah. This is what images are. This is not a cigar. This is why I love this show, man. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Exactly. They they have they offer a claim of something that they can never be. And we want to we want to like imagine that there's something behind this appearance. Um but it's what we put into it, you know what I mean? It's like a it's almost it, it almost ends up becoming more about yourself if you if you know what i mean if you if you will is the way you interpret something um then that thing you know then the essence of it could ever be <laughs> you know um but anyway um that's uh yeah no i think this is um i'm fascinated by it, fascinated by it. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so good you had to say it twice. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> I also think that there's a point where you can, I mean, there's always a point where you can read into something more and more. Like if, if, someone, if someone drew an apple just because an apple was in front of them and they wanted to draw, if you put that on a wall with a little plaque and you tell people you need to analyze this photo you can read into five million things oh i think the artist meant this and the artist meant that and then they bring out the artist and the artist like there was an apple on the table and i had a pencil and paper you know <laughs> so um is, i believe you're referencing you to... the uh is that the jackson pollock interview that you're <laughs> referencing i've never seen it but oh uh oh, 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 oh. Uh -oh. Oh, the look of explanation on his face and confusion was priceless. Interview. Um, 
So back when Jackson Pollock was pretty big, he was putting on a very large gallery showing and there was an art critic there trying to explain one of the pieces that he created, which was basically just like white canvas with black paint on it. And he moved all the paint around, but there's like a little splash of color in the corner. I, I think it's red if I'm correct. Mm. Um, and this artist is going on and he's saying, or the critic is going on and he's saying, you know, I think this is a, a self-portrait of Jackson Pollock. Um, you know, I think he, um, you know, this world up here, this this moving mass is is the world as we know it is life and it's moving in all kinds of different random kind of ways without any real structure. And then here over here in this corner um, is Jackson himself with the little splash of color, right? And I think this is kind of a, a self-portrait representing him in comparison to the rest of the world, right? And they they pulled Jackson Pollock over and they asked him about it. And they said, you know, what, is there a representation of this tiny little color splash in the corner? And he was shocked. He was like, oh, that, that must have come across when I was painting that one. <laughs> completely accidental right yeah. so you can see what you want to see in things mm -hmm. you know but i mean don't get me wrong i i think being an art critic is like i'm not going to get into it get into I, it you don't want me to get into get that into I'm very, this is one of those things like Cy Twombly okay you don't want me to go there <laughs> so it. i'm i'm trying to save this show here <laughs> i think art critics are right all the time I have to go. I, no. I'm so I'm going to completely strike everything of note that you said previously, based on that one statement. An art critic's job is literally just to say, "I like things," and sometimes I write it down. That's what they get paid for. No, it's literally just an opinion. By the way, I don't believe that our critics are right all the time. I'm just, just trying to get <laughs> I figure. Yeah. Um, art critics to me are just... I don't know. It, you know um... it's, it's interesting. I, I like, just if, if, if I may, just an anecdote. Um, well, I was at the, the Indianapolis convention last week, um, and it was a blast. I got to be uh, a, a judge for the tattoo competition at the, you know, on Sunday night. Nice. It was awesome. Yeah, it was, it was, it was really great. And, um, but we were being art critics, you know, <laughs> we were, we were being art critics. And at a certain point we were doing like best of the show. We we're doing that category. The other judges and I, we turned to each other and we're like, we can't, I can't tattoo like this. <laughs> like I can't, you know, we can't, we can't tattoo this well. And, uh, you know, it was in that moment we kind of realized like, you know, that, uh, that that's not the point, you know, and you know, we are, we are tasked with, you know, passing some, you know, uh, some judgment. Now tr really try to think about as many sort of technical, uh, aspects as we could, as, you know, try to, try to make it as, um, meritorious as possible right just based on the merits like who did the best uh, you know like application 
composition, like uh, fit and flow, the some of the sort of the fundamentals that we could. At a certain point, you know, the level was so high, it really was about like personal opinion and taste, you know, our own personal tastes. And then, you know, since there was a few of us, uh, hopefully it's hopefully it was more equitable that way because, you know, it wasn't just one person's, you know, sort of take on it. But, um, but yeah, no, I, that's, the, there's a lot of different criticisms, <laughs> you know, a lot of different ways that criticism can, can come into play. And, um, and what's funny about, you know, what I think, you know, the, this, this Jackson Pollock example, um, the artist can have all the intention in the world. Maybe he didn't intend for that red splash, you know, whatever, didn't intend it. But once we put our stuff out there, what you intended is almost inconsequential. I, it can be, I mean, it, it does matter, but it might be, it, it might be of less consequence. And it might be all of the subsequent readings, all, you know, all those critics, if enough critics said like, no, it is a portrait of you in the corner, blah, 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 you know, then it is that. And I think, um, because again, like we're interpreting the, we're all interpreting these images. It is that insofar as it's like, it's, it's a, it's a claim about what it, what it potentially could be, but there is no right answer. You know what I mean? There just isn't a, there isn't a, like a final say on the matter. And so that's, that's the, that's the, the mystery and the sort of the interesting bit about it that I think, but I love your, I love this example that you brought up, Jason. And I think it's, I think it's so interesting, you know, cause it's sort of like, you know, the artist says like, Oh, I, you know, I didn't mean that you're wrong. Well, no, fuck you. It's <laughs> the artist, you know, the artist can go GFY because it's like, you know, like once you put it out there, it's not, you have, you have very little to do with it. Um, it's, it's up to, it's up to everybody else. It's up to its reception, I think. I would also like to state that I don't exactly always think artist statements about their work are always very credible. No. no, but they're an important frame. They're, they're like, a, they're a frame that help you frame the work. And I think, it, you know, again, it can, you can help to direct the reception. All the intention that you, you want to have intention as an artist and stuff. So I think, you know, I'm trying to say like, it doesn't matter, but it does. You know, it's, you have to hold both of these contradictory things in, you know, at the same time. And your, and your artist statement, like, can be total bullshit, right? Or it can be very, you know, like, uh, authentic, you know, from the heart, you know, you can really, depending on how you write it, you know, you could use a lot of art speak that people, you know, that not everybody gets. And then it doesn't, you know, it doesn't may not be as effective there may be ways that are effective it, it it depends on your audience that's important too but um but yeah no i think i guess when i'm sort of confronted with an artist statement that's like opaque or you know like it's hard to it's hard to understand it 
it makes me want to dig in, you know, and try to figure out what they're saying. Do they know what they're talking about? Do they not? That sort of a thing. But it can be a real turnoff. I, I do think that's true. Um, but I really do think that it kind of gets back to this whole idea of like the, the, this, this very interconnected relationship, this positive and negative relationship of image and language. Mm. Right, that, that language and images are, they become symbolic in our imagination. We're able to give them some kind of meaning because they, because one thing refers to another, so on and so forth forever. But because there isn't one thing that that ends it, right? It, it does, you know, it, you can always, you can always explore it further. Doesn't mean that it's, you know, doesn't mean that it's like never ending, but it just continues, <laughs> you know, the process <laughs> continues, I suppose. I don't know. I guess I, you know, interesting, very mm. interesting. What a, what a, uh, Amber, how are you doing today? We haven't heard from you. I'm... Sorry, I'm pulling double duty. I'm also babysitting, so it's chaos here. I, um, I'm just glad you came. You know what I mean? It's, um, I don't mean that's to why I've been on mute most of the time because they're just chasing each other, having a great time, but it's very loud. <laughs> Keeps you young. You two better not be in Papa's room. <laughs> I'm sending good vibes, Amber. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I need it. Three kids under six is a lot. Oh, wow. <laughs> I love them, but it's like herding baby goats. <laughs> Other than that, I've just been keeping my nose down to the skins and practicing at the shop. I'm horrible about taking pictures of my work, though. I keep forgetting. Mm. Join the club, Amber. <laughs> One thing I always found is create a routine. Create a checklist on, like, a little post-it note mm -hmm. put it on your station. So, like, you're going through, you finish your tattoo. Great. Here's my, my breakdown procedure once the tattoo's finished. Go through, give them aftercare instructions, explain the aftercare and all that stuff. Tell them what to stay away from, get the tattoo bandaged in an appropriate manner, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, but wait, I forgot to take a picture of it, right? That was me every time. Rewrote the list. Tattoo gets finished. Step one, take photo. Step two, you know, go through, provide aftercare, explain aftercare. Step three. Make sure everything's nice and bandaged. Make sure everything's set, you know, and ready to go for that person to leave the studio. You know, step five, go up to the counter, get paid. Step six, shake their hand, you know, as they they go away. Completely rewrote the list, prioritizing taking that photo as soon as the picture was done. Yeah. Right. It's a good idea. And if you write it down, you're going to remember it. And if you write it down and you have it on your list, 
and your list is right there and it's right in front of you on a bright pink sticky note, which is what I write all of my important memos on, by the way. Um, number one, it stands out like a sore thumb. So mm. it's like, oh, oh yeah, 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 picture. Um, so just a little something I started to do that really helped. <laughs> That's a really good idea. I appreciate that. Language, right? <laughs> <laughs> Language. It's so, um, you know, it. it's, it's how we think about stuff. You know what I mean? I think that's so true. And thanks, Jason. I really do. Uh, um, I relate to that. I, I, I'm a lot more efficient. When I write those simple things down, they seem so simple, but it's a fundamental thing, right? You write, you write it down, you're going to get, um, uh, you're going to get better results. I really do think so. So I'm, you know, I'm on board with that. I think it's, um, uh, take that minute, make yourself a little note. I think that's the, um, it's a really, you know, it's a really effective, um, practice. And so, uh, so anyway, yeah, no, I'm, I think that's, that's a great, it's a great piece of advice. Um, well, um, this has been, uh, just a really enjoyable conversation I've you know it's gone unexpected places <laughs> it usually That's for does. Sure. sorry yeah. sorry <laughs> um but I'm you know I think it's uh you know again to recap um we talked about positive and negative right and so I think um, I think that, that that very basic kind of, you know, tonal relationship in your artwork, if you can really start to, you know, not only think about it, but go back through your work and look for it. I know I've been trying to do it, and I was struggling to find a couple of pictures where I, you know, like, oh, I think these are good examples to show the gang. You know what I mean? It's like it's so – you know what I see more way more often in my pictures is uh, is a very – kind of ineffective relationship to these things where, mm. you know, I, uh, you know, I get where there's too much dark, right. Or there's too much light, you know, it's not as, uh, um, it's not as well considered. These are the things that I think, um, uh, I think this has been really helpful for me to go back through, look at my work, be critical, and then to think about like, how am I gonna approach this in the future? You know, so now I'm not trying to get down in the dumps, right? Like I'm terrible and I'm the worst. I'll never, <laughs> I'll never be able to do it. Instead, you know, I'm thinking about like, uh, you know, the importance of these experiences. Um, trying to like positivize these negative things, right? <laughs> this is negative, but I'm gonna try to make I'm trying to make the best out of it, which I get. That's like such a platitude and nobody cares, but you know, um, uh, well, I think it was Nietzsche that said, and I could be wrong. Um, as long as you learn something from every experience, then it's, there is no such thing as a negative experience. 
you know, there's always a takeaway from everything, mm. you know? So I, I don't know. It, I could be misquoting there completely. Nietzsche, I'm sorry. But um, yeah, if you're learning from it, then it can't be negative. Well, no, I, I think that you're, uh, you make a really great point. That it's, you know, um, well, we learn, from, we learn from Happy our thoughts. failures, right? You know what I mean? Exactly. Like we, learn, we learn more from the failure than we do from the success. I mean, I heard that somewhere. I don't know who I'm quoting there, but I do feel like it's, um, uh, it has to be true. You know what I mean? I think about like, I got, I, I got a really tough, you know, um, critique about my tattoo work years ago. It was years ago. I went to, you know, I won't, I won't like name names, but I went to a shop and I was like, I was trying to get a job and I had my portfolio and I'm like, you know, I'm like, Hey, you know, check out this work. You know, you want me to work here, blah, blah, blah. And it was like, this dude, let me have it. You know what I mean? He like, you know, told me what was up. It hurt really bad. Very to the ego. You know what I mean? Especially, uh-huh. especially thinking that like, you know, I kind of walked in with this attitude, like, you know, I'm good enough for this. You know what I mean? I'm maybe, you know, uh, and an arrogance. It's funny, you know, being an artist at all, there's a, has to be this bit of delusion. That's a <laughs> company said <laughs> you have to have it. But, um, again, that gets tempered by the, you know, my experience, right? Like sometimes a lesson's like a smack in the face. <laughs> yes. It doesn't feel good at the time, but in the end, did it make you better? Sometimes yeah. yes, sometimes no, but. <laughs> well, I think that it, you know, that for a while it was, you know, uh, it was so hard to get over that. Yeah, it didn't make, it didn't make a, it was negative for a long mm-hmm. time until it wasn't, you know, until I was able to kind of like just reconcile with it and, and use it as something that was, uh, I was able to, to make something positive out of. Um, but again, it's, it's sort of like, uh, you know, knowing that, you know, there's always room for improvement, right? And not being, you know, uh, trying to find, strike that balance between, you know, being like confident without the arrogance. It's, it's a weird one. You know what I mean? I won't lie. It's a, and it's, it doesn't always seem, it doesn't always seem so cut and dry, if you will. You know what I mean? There's a relationship there. And, uh, I, um, I know I've struggled with it, but again, you kind of, you know, I'm not going to say I, you know, uh, achieved so much. That's not what the, that's not the point The you know, or, or that I've been so like uh, degraded in my life, but I do think about the, you know, those, those really tough critiques the most, you know what I mean? They are the mm-hmm. things that end up becoming, you know, uh, so pivotal and so like um, uh, informative. You know, yeah. Inform everything. So, Speaking of 
tough critiques. We need to have another drunk critique. I miss them. They were so much fun. I know. They're hysterical. I got ripped apart by, I mean, very well-known, very well-respected artists. They tore my work to shreds. I mean, I felt like I was about that big, but I thanked every person that critiqued me because it taught me something and brought to light something that I knew I needed to work on, you know? So, um, but yeah, we're overdue for another drunk critique. We need to, I need to make some calls and get that to happen. Can I get a, a critique? Yeah. You want to get a drunk critique or a regular critique? They're, uh, <clears throat> I mean, uh, they're, they're brutal. They are, um, they are the most brutal critiques I think I've ever heard in my life. Um, they are not kind by any means. They're funny for people whose work isn't getting critiqued. But if your work's getting critiqued, know that there's no holding back. It is brutal. And it is complete honesty. And it's very enlightening. You need that like you, you gotta like, you gotta like, you know, prepare yourself mentally just to go into that and put your work up. You know, because that is, it is ruthless. I've never had yeah, a drunk I, I, critique uh, before. <laughs> so imagine, imagine Bob Tyrell, Joe Capobianco, and the whole host of other people that are on there that are all very well known, very well respected in this industry, sitting around drinking whiskey and bourbon and tequila and whatever they can, they have on hand. And then sitting down and looking at your tattoos and asking them for an honest critique about them. <laughs> it's pretty like when Joe gets on there, game over. Game over. Bad enough. I mean, I, I had a mentor specifically. I'm very close to them, but um let me have the paper. There were definitely some critiques where like by the end of it, it was like yeah, thank you <laughs> so much for every single thought that you thought about that. And it's like you have to leave the room for a little bit because it's like I got my ass ripped open. <laughs> or what? Because like yeah. sometimes you walk in, you're just like, oh, I did so well. And then they tell you all of the reasons why it sucks. <laughs> uh -huh. And you're like, well, if I thought that I did well and it sucked that bad, what happens when I think that I do bad and then someone looks at it? You know? <laughs> Critique yeah. yourself. Yeah, I remember I, uh, there was this one oh, thing ahead. called, it's called uh, F-U-C-K, your critique, I'm around children. Um, mm. And uh, I posted this picture there and I just knew I'd done a great job on it. They just I was like, am I in the right industry? Uh, you know, but no, I just took all of that information. And you know, one of the, I'll say one of the things that came out of it is that I joined uh, drawing for tattooers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and even that has, has just, you know, really taken my work into a great direction. So it's really necessary. 
Yeah. Did you say you wanted to, do you want to show something, Spirit? Oh, yeah, if I may. Uh, let me see if I can share some content here. Oh, I'm... Uh, let's see. You know, I will send it to your inbox on Instagram. Okay. Um, it's a, it's a piece that uh, I've been working on. This is the, it's actually a cover up. Um, and let's see. So one of them is a video so that you can kind of get that. And then the other one's a picture. Um, Cool. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, give me a, one second here. Um, mm -hmm. Okay. So I wonder. You know, I need to learn how to do this on the on the Zoom app. Let me see if I can share this with with you all. Hmm. Sorry for the dead air, everybody. Um, well, I so can... I was I could just try to explain. So basically, sure. um, so it's a phoenix tattoo, and um, she wanted it. She wanted to use that to cover up a live, laugh, love tattoo, um, and uh, she wanted color. And so what I did was I actually went over the original tattoo, the first. I did the line work first, and then I, I put a layer of opaque grays down uh, in order to cover the live lap. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a jet like a traditional Japanese style um, piece uh, that. Uh, she likes it. I feel as though, you know, you know how it goes. Um, but uh, I would just like maybe some other artists to take a look at it and see areas of improvement. For sure. Please, uh, please be brutal. Let's see. One second. I think I can, I think I can share. I can share the images, I believe. Okay. Let me see. Yes. So I'll be able to share the images, um, but for some reason, I'm just not able to get the, the video. Um, so uh, here, let me, let me share these with everybody. Okay. Almost, almost there. <laughs> almost got it. Um, Yes, okay. 
and this share. Okay. Now, um, so I know, let's see, let me just scroll through. Would you rather us look at um, one or the other? This one is a little bit closer. Yeah, let's try that one. That one, okay. And then, and Jason is a, Jason's specialty, I would say, is this, you know, is sort of a traditional, like an American take on traditional, like, you know, Japanese and Asian style. So I'd love to, oh, sweet. I'd love to hear Jason. Oh, this is great. Okay. All right. So uh, another thing I, I would mention is, um, yeah, it's it's the uh, the colors are a lot more muted than they were in my drawing. Uh, of course, you know, if I'm using color pencil and paper, it's just going to be the brightest thing in the world. Um, but, you know, this and another thing is I'm kind of not I would like to say I'm kind of not really finished. But, you know, this is all the client could handle, you know what I'm saying? Um, this is the third session. You know, to them, they were like, eh, you know, I just want this to be done. You know what I mean? Um, and so I'm kind of dealing with that as well. But, uh, yeah. Um, so those are, those are the issues that I'm having with it. And then there's this last thing. I'm kind of critiquing my own artwork here. But there's this last thing. I have a, uh, like... I've been doing it ever since. Like, okay, so a good example. All right, you see the beak? Yeah, so you see the feathers behind the beak? You see how the colors don't exactly touch? Like, it doesn't exactly go up into the line, and you can see the same thing. So I do that a lot. You can kind of see that same effect throughout the design if you look closely. Uh, I think that is my subconsciously trying to create edges um okay. um i think we might lost uh i think your yeah. your audio dropped out for just a moment there so oh okay that's what you were saying so you're saying this is you know so you leave a little bit of like a negative you let let some skin show through, or you leave it a little bit lighter. Uh, and this is your you were saying is your subconscious yes. way to create an edge. And then, uh, was there anything else that you were saying? Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, that's oh. about it. Mm -hmm. um, and I I I think that it's kind of wrong, but kind of right. I think it needs to that concept needs to go further. But I just don't know necessarily how to fix it. Um, I would say if I had maybe like two more hours with this piece, I would have taken a liner and I would have like, you know, in those little areas doing like a super light or, you know what I'm saying? Or, or just a contrast to the other piece that it's adjacent to. Um, but yeah, so that's, you know, um, yeah. That's awesome. No, thank you so for, it, for sharing. Yes. Jason, let's have, let you have a crack at it, please. Okay, so there's a, a couple of things that stand out to me, and I, I can understand where you're coming from with trying to create those edges. Um, and you see it specifically in those blue feathers, both at the top and at the bottom, uh -huh. um, where those the color doesn't really go all the way to the edge, especially if you look at the interior 
where you have those pinks and those reds, mm-hmm. you know, bring that all the way up. Even if you go through and you take that pink and you just dip into some white, uh, just to make it a lighter tone, just to cap off that edge. That way you're really filling up that whole space. Um, I like the way that you didn't use super heavy outlines on the uh, the blue feathers in the background. I do like that. I think those feathers should be, because they've got a natural contrast with the cooler blue tones, even though they have pink in the middle, you've got that natural contrast with the cooler blue tones next to those like deep muted reds and yellows and browns in the wings. <laughs> that it, even if you brought that color all the way up, it would still stand out and it would still create that contrast where you would still know exactly what it is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, great flow in the piece I really like the piece as far as like all of the flow goes maybe take some of the the feathers coming off the back of the head wrap those curling down in the the opposite direction down towards the wing what that would do is create that downward motion for your eye to connect the top edge of the bottom wing to the head so that you've got this naturally occurring kind of shape um, I think it needs more background mm-hmm. uh, for sure, uh, especially if if it's that Japanese kind of style right in the area behind the neck where you've got that nice bold line. Make that black whole area, black it out um, mm-hmm. and then fade that all the way back. What that's going to do is push all even though you've got muted tones, it's going to push that whole area way more forward way more forward so it's really going to create that sense of depth there Mm -hmm. Um, you're talking about where like in the center like in the middle where that little swirl is correct Uh correct i would have just done straight black there Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. as i worked my way back um back and out to the left and up i would have started to slowly fade it out to like a mid-tone gray and then a light gray and then out um Mm -hmm it creates that depth that you're going for um, and would really help just kind of push the whole neck area forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like I was having an issue with the the back of the, like the little curly hairs on the, on the back of the head. I didn't know how to bring those forward, the back of the head while also keeping the head to, from looking like it's just floating in midair. Right. You know. Well, you kind of already fixed that because you've got very three very distinctive le- layers and levels here. You've got your four wing, the one all the way at the bottom. That's definitely more towards the front. Then you have mm-hmm. your middle ground, which is the head and the neck area. And then you've got your background, which is the wing behind that. So there's three levels there. And then you added a fourth with those blue tail feathers. Right. So you've got plenty of separation and depth already just by layering things in that way. Um, So right there, I would know that that head and neck is connected to that four wing and that that wing back behind the head is going to be part of the same body. It's got the Mm -hmm. same color scheme. It's got the same structure Um, that to me mentally is going to connect regardless. So having that head just floating in space wouldn't even have been an issue because all of those three things right there all connect in your mind 
and you're seeing that same color scheme throughout. So mentally in your mind, it connects that wing behind the head to the head and the neck area to the wing in the foreground. Um, so all of that is already connected. So I don't think you would have really ended up with that sense in any aspect. Um, I would have gone with some, some brighter tones if at all possible. I know you said it was a cover up, but um, you know, maybe take some, some brighter reds into the neck area, some brighter oranges, layer that in. Um, great shape, great color palettes. Uh, I would have brought the colors all the way out to the edges because in more of a traditional Japanese kind of feel, you want flat areas of color. Everything, if you look at traditional, like real traditional Japanese stuff, they didn't add value. They didn't add, you know, black and drop shadows and black and gray undertones and value and modeling. None of that stuff was a concept. It was, if this area is red, it's red. If this mm -hmm. area is green, it's green. And mm -hmm. it's just a flat green. Um, if you're going for more of like a neo-trad Japanese kind of style, that's when you start to get into a lot of these other um you know uh color gradients and contrasting and complementing colors that have all these subtleties to them that's when you really start to get into things like that um i would definitely add some some brighter tones though because by having all of these muted washed out kind of drab tones to me it kind of takes a little bit away from the piece and makes it a little bit more confusing especially mm -hmm. with that bottom wing um, that bottom wing really needs to come forward more. Sometimes you can use brighter colors for that. Um, you know, even if you had like a bright red right before it transitioned into the yellow at the tips of the feathers, that would have really stood out a bit more. Then you could have tied that in with some brighter reds on the neck area. Um, and then maybe a hint of it in the top wing that would have really pumped that color forward a bit more. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Yeah. Uh, what do you? How do you feel as, about the saturation? Um. So from what I can see, uh, the saturation of the the like muted brick reds looks pretty decent. Once again, I would have taken that all the way out to each edge and let those outlines really create that shape and that form. Um just because having that dark black outline there, it's going to create the separation in feathers anyway. Uh -huh. um, looks like some of the yellows are pretty saturated, but without really seeing it in person, it's kind of hard to tell. The um, yellow ochres and browns that you used in the the wing behind the head, those look pretty, pretty well saturated. Um, some of those brick reds behind the head don't necessarily hold the same intensity or same level of saturation as the wing in the foreground. Um, same thing with the yellows in the wing in the foreground. Those don't necessarily look quite as saturated as the ones in the wing in the back of the head. Uh -huh. um, those blues could really, like even if you took a brighter blue, like right off of that lighter blue tone, like um, a robin's egg or something like that, you could have really packed that in and blended that out. And that would have been super solid and saturated throughout. Um, 
Yeah, I'd say if, if it was one thing I would say to work on is your color blends um, and just blending out a little bit more. Um, you've got, uh, it's, I don't want to say it's you. a choppy, tra I, I don't want to say it's a choppy transition um, because it's not, but I think it could be a little bit smoother between your ultra dark blues into your mid-tone blues. Um, you can kind of see where you started to mix in your mid-tone blues into your darker blues, but it mm -hmm. didn't quite transition out quite as well. Um, one trick to do that a little bit better, honestly, just start dirty dipping. Um, go from <laughs> your darker blue and just touch the lighter blue, then touch it a little bit more until you get just one shade you know, bigger. Then you just do a little bit in one spot and then you move to another spot and you do a little bit. Then you move to another spot and you do a little bit. Then you dip into the lighter blue again to get one more elevated level of lighter blue. And then you do a little bit more coming off of that. So take it in gradual steps, work right off the tips and just kind of feather it out each time. And it really creates a silky smooth, solid, saturated transition. Um, mm -hmm. And one little trick that I picked up in Puerto Rico one year is once you're done coloring an area, um, like once everything is done, take a small round shader, like a, an eight round shader or something like that. Go back through and at the edges, right by the black line, go through and fill in the color against that black line to really bring all of those tones all the way out to that line. Um, that's hmm. going to help you get rid of that, um, that, that part where it doesn't quite go up to the line, you know, it's really going to fill it in. Even if you're using a lighter tone or a lighter color to create that, that edge or that border next to the line, it's really going to help really fill up that space. Um, mm -hmm. Because right mm -hmm. now I can see it in a lot of different spots. You've got some area yeah. in that four wing looks like the it's not the red part it's right above the red part where you left that kind of a, a ridge right at the tips of the feathers that's actually mm -hmm. done really well really like the way that that's done um because that creates a lighter value from there you could even take some black go right behind that ridge of feathers sweep that out into the reds a little bit that would have created a bit of a, a drop shadow or created a little bit more of the value there mm -hmm. um, to really kind of create that modeling um, and create that kind of a drop shadow-esque area there. Um, love what you did with the, the neck ruffle. Um, I really like the way that that was done. And that's because you've got a lot of dark right next to an area of a lot of light. Mm -hmm. So it creates that natural separation. I think there was a lot of really, you know, a lot of really great points there. Um, here's what, um, if I may, I, I just want to say that, like, uh, I really can't see the cover up at all. I think that that part, you know what I mean, just sort of highlighting the, you know, the the, the point, you know what I mean, that the, the cover up, because it's so crucial, you know, it wasn't... Um, it doesn't, you know, I mean, it's like, if we look really hard, you can kind of, you can kind of make out that there might be something going on, but that's just because we know, 
You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Because like, cause you mentioned it, like if you hadn't mentioned it at all, I might not even question that it was a cover mm -hmm. up. So I think that's very successful. Um, Thank you. I, yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so I think something that Jason was getting at that I think is, you know, is the, is really working with this piece is uh, there's a, there's a, there's a shadow, the dark darkness that frames out the head. You kind of put a little bit of like a, it's a, it's a, it ends up becoming a more powerful line here. It's, you know, by the front of the face, it's more of an edge. And then back here at the back of the neck, more of a line, but it really separates, it lifts the, the head forward. And that's the point, you know, that's the, that's the area of interest. It was smart not to include any of that, none of that cover-ups going through this delicate facial feature. And so mm -hmm. I think that was also very smart. It kind of takes our eye away from the, you know, the cover-up part. Um, uh, that's always a, it's always a tricky business to navigate. Like, where do you put the cover-up at? Um, and so there's a, you know, there's a few areas I think that, uh, that you used that were smart. But what was, what was even more effective is you were able to sort of capture, you know, the, um, the personality because the face, the face really shines. Um, there's a lot of really beautiful sort of details in the face and this edge that like sort of lifts it off. I think that's, that's that positive negative thing we're talking about. You know what I mean? That's that contrast that like, you know, light, you know, it's light against dark. That's what really separates it. I do see Jason's point about there's a, there is a way that you could maybe push that background, make it the darkest part. And so, mm -hmm. so that all of the feathers are by comparison are lighter. Um, and so I think too, that this is some, you know, like the only, uh, the only critique I guess that I have is this like, you know, and it's, it's almost one that's as much for myself is like, you know, I love to get into the colors and to sort of, draw that stuff. But if I, you know, if I really make myself do a value study first and then stick with it, it like, like, you know, and then take a step back, do a value study, take a step back and make sure that I've got like this order very clear. This is mm -hmm. the part, this is the middle and then that's the light part. And as long as they, you know, there really isn't like, I don't have that same dark value in the background in the light stuff and so on and so forth um or if you know or if there is any sort of like you know like so for instance like the the if all the background was very dark and then the pupil and the eye you let that be the you know same level that same dark but it's a that little point there's something about that magic you know what i mean it just it just it it makes us uh uh it just attracts us you know what i mean it just attracts mm -hmm. our yeah our stuff like that so um that's that's my only my only criticism about it i think that the you know uh the strong points the flow really you know there's a real great flow to it again really clever cover up that part's happening i i actually there's you know i don't hate the muted colors you know what i mean there's something about them that i think is really nice I would, uh, and that's you know, the thing. Like, I wanted it to be a lot brighter, but you know, it's just, I, you know, it, it, it just didn't. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Because yeah, well, maybe it's their skin. You know what I mean? Maybe it's this person. The skin. Yeah. Right. Like everybody's different. You know what I mean? And it's like, 
sometimes you know if if they have like a just even a little touch of olive in their skin you know what i mean and you're trying to use blue and purple and stuff like that on it it can just sort of like it can get darker than we intend i think yeah. almost right away um you know and i i have i have a client that deals with that too you know her sometimes it, you know like the really light colors will scar a little bit and you know what i mean it's like so mm -hmm. sensitive to it and um it's so managing you know what I mean? managing that like because like you don't know sometimes how somebody's gonna you know how their skin is gonna react to it right um, see here's here's my kind of reasoning behind why i would have gone with a bit of a brighter tone for the the actual body of the phoenix itself immediately mm -hmm. when i look at this piece like in totality as a whole my eyes are immediately getting drawn to the pinks at the bottom and at the top because those to me are the brightest most high key colors okay um, yep. whereas if those were muted down so you used more of like a muted blue or a, a muted red in those areas as opposed to those brighter pinks um, I think it would have stuck a lot more with the kind of theme that you were going with, mm -hmm. but that's where I would have put some brighter values in the actual, like by brighter, I mean like more pure, more vibrant kind of colors in the Phoenix itself, because if all of the colors are muted, except for certain vibrant tones, your eye is naturally going to travel to those vibrant tones. That's I right. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Because those are the higher, highest in, in contrast with, you know what I mean? We're, yeah, they're the most the pure tones. Mm -hmm. um, so I would have kept the, the background tail feathers a bit more muted. And I would have made the body of the Phoenix a little bit of a higher key, um, higher key as far as chroma goes, um, just to put more emphasis on that. That way my eyes isn't, kind of separated top and bottom because immediately that's where my eye is going yeah yeah that's, that's a, my perspective a, yeah no i think that's that's a very uh that's like astute you know that's a good observation and i think you know if uh, uh as we're designing you know what i mean think about that that's a that's another contrast right the, the temperature of the color the warm mm -hmm. and the cool you know what I mean? The, how intense, how intense the chroma is, how, you know, how like, you know, saturated the, the color is, you know, like, as far as like, is it, is it very pure? That sort of a thing. Um, those are all ways of achieving difference and contrast. And so, um, yeah, Jason is, yeah, you're right that it does sort of, it does attract us those little, those points. Um, so, you know, I think that, uh, um, how you feeling, Spirit? Did you get some feedback on this that that is going to be helpful for you? Yeah, I feel yeah, I feel really good about it. I really appreciate it. Um, I did a I did a lot of like preparatory work for this piece, um, and you know, one of the things I was I wanted to also talk about is this: how do you guys like, um, you know, just because you know we can't really these aren't paintings, you know, we have to you know eventually step away from it, uh, and you know, the, and oftentimes it's the client that is doing the stepping away. <laughs> so, you know, and like I was saying before, if I could spend four or five more hours with this, 10 hours with this piece, I would, you know what I mean? Um, how would you guys, 
like just reconcile something like that? Would you contact, hey, what's up? I know, you know, I just want to maybe get in on it like two, three more hours or whatever, you know, I'll, I'll discount you, I'll, I'll be cheap or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Let's, we'll do it for free. You know, how how would you, because, you know, I, I, I would like to post this and I'd like to, you know, be proud of it and stuff like that. Um, you know, maybe post it to like Instagram or stuff like that, but, um, you know, I don't, I don't know if this is, is if this is public ready. Um, she loves it. She thinks it's gorgeous. You know what I mean? But me as the artist, I'm like, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. So how would you guys kind of do handle the, the issue of wanting to go back into a piece? I think that, uh, um, that's, that's probably just, just about all of them, right? You all, <laughs> it's just yeah, about every single one. There's always something, there's always room for improvement. Mm -hmm. um, I think you should be proud. And then, you know, again, uh, like to take the critique, you know what I mean, that you got. And that'll, again, that's going to help, help you navigate the next time. Yeah. So, uh, um, cause we're at where we're at, I suppose. I'm, I'm, trying to give myself a pep talk here too. You know? <laughs> it's, tough. it's really tough, but I mean, I think that what you end up with, um, you know, this is a, this is one step. It's great that she likes it. Um, and I think, but again, that ends up being, you know, was that ends up being not necessarily always the thing that, that doesn't do it for us. You know what I mean? As artists. So, you know, um, Guy Atchison actually talks about this quite a bit. You know what I mean? He'll be doing a piece, you know, and like, uh, and he says that, you know, it'll be like, uh, um, it'll look done for the customer, right? But if I, mm -hmm. you know, if I can have them come back for one more saturation pass, it's going to be so much more. So mm -hmm. I think um, just, you know, be patient. And yeah. hopefully this one comes back to you. If, it's supposed to happen and you can give it one more go. But again, I think, you know, just there'll be, you know, you keep working on it. There'll be another, there'll be another tattoo that you will do. And then you can hit it a few more times. And as you continue, I think to probably, this is what I'm finding. The more that I am able to, discern make these discernments about the very simple thing be decisive be decisive on the simple things of where's the dark where's the light um how am i gonna how am i gonna like provide contrast it makes the the, the piece go so much more efficiently mm. so much faster especially if i don't have to really think about it too much there's a bit of probably mastery that occurs you know like the more that you do it the more that you're kind of meditating on it and practicing it that when you get into the tattoo, because there's so many other things to think about, mm -hmm. it just starts to become a flow that you're just, you know, you're, you're just doing it. It's working because you are, you know, you're keeping those, those fundamental things in mind. Um, uh, again, it's just, I'm working on it too. We're all, we all are, we're all working on it. So, and you know, nobody has the final answer. It's just, you know, you end up becoming more efficient. The, if you take out some of these guesswork and so um that's going to be a that's going to be a way probably that like when when you get to when you get to the third session and it's even better 
that might be the point where where a fourth session would actually even happen. Does that make mm. sense? Yeah, because with this piece, this was one of the first pieces where I I drew it and I completed it and was able to show the client, you know, and they were like, oh, so that's how it's going to look when we're finished, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And the client was just so delighted to see that. And so just just that, I mean, yes, I mean, I, I agree with you, you know what I mean? It's because of the simple fact that I was able to get to this point means that I can see a horizon, you know what I mean? As opposed to being at the damn, <laughs> you know, at the beach or whatever. Right. You know. Well, you know, a cover-up can easily turn into a, another cover-up project. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's right. you know, we've all, we've all done it. You know what I mean? We've all done it. It's, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, it's like you, you know, you, you, you have, you have to have experience. You have to be clever. And then it, you know, and, stars do have to align for sometimes for things to work out right. But, um, but yeah, I think, you know, having some preparation is, is vital, you know, but again, there's gotta be room for you to explore experiment. And then probably like, a, you know, like I was saying, like if, if they look at it and they feel like it's done, you know what I mean? But, mm. like, but you're, but you've, you know, but they know you could go further with it. And the, you know what I mean? That might get them just excited to do it. You know what I mean? I think oh. that's, that's the, that's the thing. Like, uh, it, it just takes, it probably just takes time. That's all I, that's all I can imagine. It just takes. Mm. Jason, what about you? How do you, how do you deal with this particularly? Talk to your client, find out what, why, why their reluctance come in for another session. Was it the pain? You know, do they just not want to experience that again? You know, is it financial? Is it time constraints? You know, um, but without knowing that and without knowing their reason why they don't want to come back in, it's kind of hard to really give you any kind of an answer on that. You know, That's if it's good, financial, good just count it. if it's a time constraint thing, it's like, cool, when works for you? Mm -hmm. When would you have time for this? If that means I got to come in on my day off, that means I'll come in on my day off. You know, if it's a fact that they don't want to go through the pain, well, that's a little bit of a different story. Um, Not in green. It, well, exactly. You know, figure out a way around that, you know, but you won't know any of that until you talk to your client and find mm -hmm. out what it is that's making them hesitant about coming back in. She honestly, uh, I did ask her kind of with her. I think she she just wants to get started on the next piece. <laughs> We're doing an Egyptian theme piece. So probably what I'll do is when I'm working on these other pieces, I'll just be like, let me do this. With, let me just Yeah. Say, you know what? Come in. We'll work on the Phoenix for an hour or two um, and just get that set up. And then, you know, we'll just take a little bit of time and just work on one little area there. Then we'll work on the Egyptian piece for, you know, another three, four hours, whatever. Oh, that's a great idea. You know, because it's like you're still getting your Egyptian piece. Everything's already out anyway. So you might as well work on that for a little bit as well. Yeah, because it's like because we're doing an hourly rate. So it's not even a matter of, you know what I'm saying? This is just, just the time. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. cool, so just like you said, I like that. Oh, that's that's it right there for this one anyway. So practical. Yeah. That well, is this it. is, this really has been, um, you know, like I, I really enjoyed 
everything today. And I'm so, um, I'm so grateful for everything that everybody contributed. Uh, Spirit, thank you for putting up some work for Crit. Uh, that was, you know, I think this was really productive because I think you, because people do watch this show. <laughs> people do listen to it and stuff. And there's, um, this is the jelly, right? This is the good stuff. This is the stuff that people really, you know, as a community, we all need this because this elevates us. You're true. Yeah, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, Jason, thank you so much for coming on today, dude. It was like, it's, okay, it's, it's always a pleasure when you come and, um, you know, like it's, it's always fun. Like, uh, you know, a little bit of back and forth. I, it's awesome. Yeah, I, um, even if I don't get to make it in to these shows as often as I want to, I still always do the replays and listen to them. And you know, I I always I, always I get a lot of your shows of these, too, dude. I'm so. always like, I like, come on and give you the give you a thumbs up, give you some hearts. I, so, yeah. Hey, Jason, when is your uh, Jesse? When is your um? When is that show you're putting on? Uh, that has yet to be determined. I'm still trying to work out a venue. I've been talking to different art galleries in Philadelphia about you know, uh, you know, what it would take, how long they're booked out and stuff like that. I think what I might end up doing is just doing like a pop-up art show. Um, I mean, if it comes to, to fruition, it wouldn't be until next summer anyway. Um, just because I want to make sure that every artist has ample amount of time to go through, create a piece. I have ample enough time to mail out all the surfaces for all the artists um, and all that stuff, but that's finding a decent venue that's willing to let me hang up artwork, that's willing to provide a space during the time period which I would want to host it. That's what's turning out to be a much bigger problem than I originally thought. Um, and that's mostly just because of the location I'm looking at. Uh, there's a couple of really nice areas in Old City, Philadelphia, uh, which is very artistic. It's right around a whole bunch of other art galleries. They do something called First Friday every month where all of the art galleries open their doors. People can walk in and out of each art gallery and kind of see things for free. Um, and so I'm trying to plan it around that for maximum exposure. Uh, but finding a decent venue in that kind of an area that's going to allow me to do what I need to do and has ample enough space to host, you know, I I'm estimating, uh, at a, a maximum of 50 pieces for this art show at two feet by five feet. That's a lot of space. If you want to space it out, right. And do things right. As far as visual, um, like visual organization, Things need to be spaced out a certain amount. That's going to take up more room. So if each piece vertically is two feet wide, even if you were to space it out by a half a foot, right, by six inches apart, which is not ideal for that size work. Um, now you're looking at for every two pieces that I exhibit, I need five feet wide of available wall space. That's a lot mm. more and right. if I've got 50 pieces, that's Jason, a you, lot. Jason, you can do space. it. We're, we believe in you. You, you got this, bud. You can do it. I think so I've hang got there, an idea. Keep working on it. I think, you know, like, um, you got a handle on logistics. And, you know, I think um, 
it's it's you build it they will come right <laughs> it's gotta be oh, i i i already have like 20 some odd people that are interested and willing to participate from places like australia canada all over the u.s i'm talking to a few people in europe as well um you know it's just a matter of once i can nail down a venue and yep. i really can set that up everything else is just going to flow like clockwork um i need to find like one or two investors uh if i really want to do it right but i'm also looking at publishing a book of it afterwards you know an actual hardbound publication so talking to different publishers about that um i know who i would like to go through for it but i don't know if they would be interested i'm also going to reach out to a couple of other people like troy temple who's from philadelphia he runs villain arts um, so all of the villain arts conventions, yeah, that's what he does, but he also has a publishing company and all types of other side jobs. So I want to reach out to him and talk to him about venue space. If he's got recommendations, um, if he's got ideas about publication, you know, limited run, maybe a thousand copies of the book, um, sell them for 500 bucks a piece at, you know, I think, I think I had it figured out like a book 12 inches wide by with foldouts, maybe I think I had it set up for um, two and a half. So 15 inches tall by 12 inches wide um, with like every other page being a full foldout so that it's a half size reproduction of the actual piece exhibited. Hmm. Um, You know, so I've got, all of this back end stuff that I'm working on because I know art shows and art gallery shows don't typically tend to turn too much profit. So figuring out a way to make the money on the back end is where I'm really coming into like that's where I've really decided to put a lot more focus because art shows don't typically generate a whole lot of money. Um, and I don't want to have to charge the artists too much money, you know, to participate, you know, 50 bucks an artist is for a surface provided plus mailing there with the surface and a return label. You know, if I can figure out a way to do all of that for 50 bucks, you know, per artist, I don't see an artist that would turn that down. Um, Especially if they get a publication afterwards, they get exposure for the art shows, all the social media marketing that we're going to be doing for it to try to drive up, you know, interest and anticipation and stuff like that. So there's a lot that that's going into it and we may have to push it back an additional year after that. You know, um, I'd like to do a summer show in Philadelphia, but, um, you know, maybe if talking to Troy, he's like, Oh, well, we'll just host it at the Philadelphia show. And it's like, well, I like to not do it during a convention would like it to be its own entity to focus more on the fine art aspect of things as opposed to, Oh yeah. There's like thousands of tattooers here. Let's go see what they're doing. You know? Right. Well, you know, I mean, um, but I think, uh, you know, it's really fascinating in concept. Um, having it at a convention wouldn't be all bad. You know, it would definitely be, it seems like that would definitely be, you know, you have built in audience. There's also, you know, there's a, there's some infrastructure that's there. From that, it can escape the convention scene and make right. it into this fine art world that we you know that we that we think we want so bad. But anyway, I'm like you know I'm like uh, I'm so glad that you are working on it. This is a very cool thing. 
Um, and I, uh, yeah, so I applaud you. But we're going to wrap yeah. it up today. Let's, let's do some sign-offs. Jason, tell us uh, who you are and where we can find you at. Sure. Um, so my name is Jason Leeser. Um, I host the Skill Building Sunday Drawing Groups every Sunday here on the Reinventing the Tattoo Network. I am a full-time tattoo artist outside of Philadelphia in the suburbs. Um, you can find me working at the Inkwell Tattoo in Southampton, Pennsylvania. I also have a small printmaking company. You can hit me up for that. Uh, it's um, Tattoo Art Prints on Instagram. Um, you know, feel free to hit me up. Let me know if there's anything I can do for anyone. Um, help you out in any way. James, as always, I love jumping into these shows. Um, it's always a blast. It's a shame I can't do it more often, but, you know, time constraints are a real thing. So totally. No. Um, yeah. Can I come over on Sundays sometimes? Yeah. Anytime right. you want to join, man. Right. Anytime. You are always yeah. welcome. The door is always All wide right. open for you. No, that's awesome. I, I certainly, I certainly will come and come and disrupt you eventually. Please. <laughs> no, I'm like, yeah, I work. I work on Sunday. I keep thinking about it. Like, I just need to set up my camera. So I'm like, tattooing and i could be on your you know like right? your, oh uh, that'd be awesome but i'm like you know i got gotta have a tattoo at that time anyway no I'm <laughs> thank you jason so much for coming it really was uh, it's always it is always amazing um getting a chance to talk to you spirit if you're still with us i'd love to get some you know sign off for you uh yeah absolutely yeah absolutely i am uh tattoos uh, tattoos by Spirit on Instagram, Tattoos by Spirit on TikTok, TattoosbySpirit.com. Uh, I uh, appreciate you guys always doing the show. I love coming on here and just kind of learning. Uh, and uh, yeah. Oh, y'all want to see the baby? Of course. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh -huh. She's asleep right now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my boo-boo. Now for the world to see my boo-boo. So that's the uh that's what's been kind of keeping me uh away from class lately. You know what I'm saying? It's be all up in her face. So that makes, um, makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, it's going down. Cool, uh, man. I wanted to say I, I saw you you posted um you were featured in a magazine. That's awesome. So congrats oh. on that. Thank you so much. Thank yeah. you very much. I appreciate it. It's a really, really good feeling. To, to finally be, you know, out to, to I feel like I've, I've arrived a little bit. You know what I'm saying? It was, uh, no, it was, it's a beautiful feature. Um, shows your work. It's uh, great promotion, but I think too, it's like, there's something about this, you know, like a physical real thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's like, that's, that's awesome, dude. So, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm like, I'm jealous. <laughs> So yeah, I gotta, you too. I gotta work harder. I gotta, I gotta keep working, man. You're, you're doing, you're doing so well. So, thank cool. you for coming Thanks. today, Spirit. Thanks for again for like, uh, for putting up your piece for Crit. It, it was a, a beautiful piece of, uh, of artwork and also um, very effective cover up tattoo. Um, so keep thank it up, and uh, yeah, thank you again for coming. Uh, thanks to Amber and uh, thanks to Elise for coming. They had to jump off a little early. Um, but we'll hopefully we'll see you all next time and hopefully we'll see you again next time um, if you would like to uh, uh, hit like and subscribe we appreciate it, it helps the algorithm um, want to thank Guy Atchison one more time for uh, for putting on this this network uh, thanks Guy 
it's it's a it's a great community that you've got going on here um and so but you know we just we appreciate uh, everything you do um oh get better soon <laughs> hope he gets well soon so um but anyway i'm james wisdom uh, you can find me in indianapolis a tattoo at artistic skin designs you can also find me on social media and my website tattooingwisdom.com um this has been drawing for tattooers uh happy drawing everybody and we'll see you next stream